Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Offsec Podcast. I am your host, Falcon Spy, and along with me is Harbinger as the co-host. For this episode, we have Omeganeth, a member of our community who is also one of our community companions over on Discord. Omeganeth is actively in the process of acquiring his OSP certification while going through the Pen 200 course via his Learn One subscription. Omeganeth, it's awesome to have you here with us, and uh, welcome to the Offsec Podcast. Harbinger and I have had an opportunity to speak with you a little bit before, and we've seen you talking on the server, but for those who may not be aware of who you are, uh, would you like to give a kind of quick about yourself? Sure. I'm Omegana, it's the OSID 17.16.3, for those of you who may have remembered the old IRC days, and I've been doing this for a while now. Uh, I've taken the, the course and the labs uh, through, I think, all of the different versions we've had, at least as far as the major updates, and I've bounced off the test four or five times. Every time I do, I try and learn from the experience, try and get back in the saddle. Oftentimes, life kind of gets in the way of that for a period of time. Uh, I'm self-paid and, you know, doing this at my own pace. I don't have a corporate sponsor picking up the tab, so... You know, it's just me and my income if I botch an exam attempt. <laughs> as far as who I am IRL, uh, I'm pretty much a homebody. Uh, I really don't have any exciting you know, hobbies aside from doing some mathematical modeling um, and the occasional game of D&D. This has been a really interesting journey for me. And like I said, it's one that's been going on for several years now. Awesome. Uh, so let's kind of jump right into this. So. Um... What kind of piqued your interest in joining the information security field? Like what got you really interested? So I've always kind of had an interest in in InfoSec and security. It's something that's kind of been glorified in the public's mind's eye over the years. There's, you know, this, this mental image that we're somehow across between, you know, the best of the best for computer geeks and you know, at the same time, kind of the boogeyman that even, you know, governments and corporations can, you know, get laid low by. Really, I didn't have much of an idea of what I was getting into at the time, but I was aware that it was a field where, you know, intellect, curiosity, and persistence, you know, pay dividends. I'd like to think I've got more than my fair share of all three, but as it's turned out, perseverance has paid more than most, at least in my case. So Omeganeth, what are the kinds of resources you used or how did you get started in your journey in InfoSec and what led you to OffSec? Before I started my journey, I had the idea that I wanted to be good at what I was doing. Um, To that, you know, I tried to do a lot of research leading into it. At the time that I began my journey, I was still working as a web developer uh, in kind of the Midwest of the United States. I was at a small startup. I wasn't really being challenged anymore. Uh, I felt that I was learning, but mostly about what other people had done, you know, going over on GitHub and Stack Exchange than what I was doing for my day-to-day basis. And I wanted to do more. 
So I started thinking about, you know, what could I do to expand my skill set? What was really interesting to me that I could maybe pivot into? And I decided on InfoSec uh, after, like I said, doing a bunch of research and homework on various courses and certifications and, you know, trainings that were out there within the field, within the people who were actively holding those certifications, who seemed to know what they were talking about, you guys were spoken of extremely highly. And, you know, like I said, I wanted to be good at what I was doing. So that's what I set my cap for. Getting into it and kind of starting my journey was rough. Understanding that you're clueless about something means more than just not knowing it. It often means you don't know what you don't know. Then even when you find it, you're not always ready to recognize what's staring right at you. So you kind of spoke a little bit about some of your struggles there, Magnus. Mm-hmm. Um, as you, as we know it, you've started your Pen 200 journey, had to place it on hold, and you kind of came back to it. So what were some of those struggles that you faced while uh, starting the journey? Mostly, I think it had to do with the background that I was coming into the course with. I was a general IT type, and then I moved into uh, software and eventually uh, web development. and that that helped in a lot of ways for some of the boxes, but in the majority of the coursework, um, it seemed like I was missing a bunch of just expected background. And so trying to pick that up on the run at the same time, I'm trying to learn this, you know, attacker mindset and, you know, turn my otherwise constructive logic where I'm trying to build tools or, you know, helpful things for a client into, you know, something a little more crabwise or devious where I'm trying to look at the assumptions that were made as these tools and techniques were put together and see if there is an attack surface there that I can potentially, you know, come at from an angle that no one ever considered. My understanding is that now you've purchased a Learn One subscription. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you made that decision and how has it changed sort of your approach with the Pen 200 Labs? So, one of the, th- the problems that I've had with Pen 200 in the past um, is I knew I wasn't ready for the exams when my mm-hmm. lab time would run out, but I had this exam attempt and it was use it or lose it. And it doesn't take a whole lot of cost benefit analysis to realize that taking the exam, even walking in knowing that you have no business being there, I got to see a couple of the exam machines in the exam pool. And even if the chance was remote, there's always a chance that down the road when I took it and felt more ready, that I might see one of those boxes again, and I might have that much of a leg up, even if I completely bounced off the box the first time I've at least seen it before. You know, it's it's a lot nicer. It takes the pressure off. It'll it's letting me focus on the learning more than just the gotta rush, what you know, feeling the clock tick down in the back of my head as days are going by and I may or may not be clearing boxes as fast as I want to be. It's also friendly, I'll say, with the two exam attempts that are stacked. Mm -hmm. 
I think it's an incredible value just if you add up the dollars and cents. And that was before it went on sale until the first of the year. So we've been we've been talking about the Pen two uh, Pen two hundred course now for a little bit and your journey on it. What do you what do you feel is the biggest challenge uh, that you're facing right now with the course, or or even when it comes to like doing the exam? So I think the biggest challenge I'm running into right now is just being able to block out sufficient time, you know, IRL to to work on it. I know that a lot of people have said this before. Uh, and that I'm probably just echoing, but at least for me, when I sit down to work on this, I need to have, you know, a block of a significant block of time that's going to be uninterrupted that I can just buckle down and focus. Because if I'm trying to figure out a new concept, if I'm trying to debug why this exploit just isn't uh, working the way I expected it to, if I'm just trying to run down a rabbit hole and learn something new, you know, it all takes time. And if I'm being interrupted by family, by friends, you know, by life in general, you know, every 20 minutes or half an hour, even if it's, you know, very brief, you know, hey, do you want a slice of pizza? You've taken my head out of that. And now I've got to spend time getting my head back into it before I'm being productive again. So what would you say, aside from, you know, prepping for the exam, what are the most important transferable lessons or lessons that you think will be transferable that you've learned while going through uh, your security studies? I, I'm not mentioning just Pen 200, but just in general over the past, you know, five years. Mostly that there's no end to the learning. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you take a course in high school or college, there's a textbook. The professor is teaching out of it. You read through it, you understand it, you're done. This is so much more. I mean, the PDF for the version two of PWK really was a textbook in length and density, and yet it was just the basics, the beginning of what we needed to kind of illustrate this. I remember working on the buffer overflow section in the V1 version of the course and trying to understand the difference between stack and heap memory allocations. I ended up spending several days diving deep on the subject, and I finally came up for air as I was about halfway through a document called the Malik Maleficarnum, which if you've never heard or run into it, it reads like a blend between a white paper and a madman's religious ramblings. Um, I, I was deep. <laughs> I have lifelong ADHD, so finding a balance between hyper-focusing like that, you know, diving deep and being too scattered to really be productive over the, you know, the breadth of the course material has been a big challenge for me. But even when I'm diving deep or when I'm scattered, I'm still learning. And I don't think that's ever going to stop at this point. Yeah, there, there will always be a time where uh, we're, we're always learning. And I, I mean, I'm even kind of going through some, some of the new courses too and looking elsewhere to broaden my, my skills. Um, so we had briefly kind of touched upon trying to find some resources earlier in one of our earlier questions, you know, discord wasn't a thing in the past. So, you know, what has your experience been like, um, on discord and interacting with the community and our staff as, as a resource? Uh, it's been amazing as kind of the new contact format and just discord doesn't have that, that fear. There's a much broader uh, variety of staffers that we're interacting with 
at all different levels. I mean, you know, and it's it's much more welcoming and it's much more encouraging as a student. Yeah. So not to say that we still don't kind of receive some people looking for free handouts, but like we, we try to steer them now more so towards like a general direction or try to provide them some mentoring. So uh, for anyone who's tuning in and, and joining us on discord, I mean, feel free to reach out to some of your peers or even some of the student admins and, you know, they, they can try to help guide you in a certain direction if you're stuck. And so just being able to interact with other students is it's really helpful. Yeah. So let me, let me take the time to give a shout out to my man, Falcon Spy here. Uh, he and TJ are doing an excellent job as community managers. Uh, it's great, great, great to see the uh, student engagement on Discord, um, talking with each other, helping each other out. Um, we still try to keep like in-depth uh, topics around the courseware and the labs to private chat so that students who don't want to be spoiled aren't. But we've definitely changed our tune over the years in terms of how much we're willing to have, um, you know, be open um, so that students can also learn from each other's experiences. Um, I think Falcon Spy recently made you a uh, community campaign, which is sort of like a, a student who we recognize as being particularly uh, good at listening and at contributing to the conversation. What's that experience been like for you? And do you have any suggestions or recommendations to students who do want to, you know, interact more on Discord? The, uh, the community companion aspect actually caught me completely flat-footed. I've, I've never been a particularly shy guy with my opinions. And once I realized that the Discord was way more open to actual conversation and, um, you know, I'll say community debugging of each other's problems. Uh, I haven't been shy at all about putting my two cents out there. If I had any advice for my fellow students or, you know, folks just on the discord, I guess it would probably just be to kind of step back and realize that offensive security is a company, but it's also a group of individuals. You guys are trying your best to create a learning environment for us and proctored material and curated material for us to learn. You could just hand us the lab manual again and go, the internet is there, Google is a thing, have fun. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think um, as, as more and more people are looking to get into this space, there's a lot more on the line for people. Uh, and so emotions run hot. People are um, perhaps rightfully so in some cases, attaching you know a lot of future value to their time with us in the in this course and in our other courses in terms of uh, getting getting um, you know promotions getting new jobs and so when we make decisions that they perceive as affecting them in certain ways uh, there are certainly you know emotional responses to that and we we totally understand that um, at the same time we're trying to be more transparent about what we're doing and that opens the door to conversation that really didn't exist before. Um, when we were back on, on IRC, there wouldn't have been, you know, announcements about, about changes. They would just happen. Um, so this is sort of a new experience for, for us as well as for students. And so I guess all that we would ask is to keep an open mind and join us as we continue to grow and, and learn ourselves and uh, hopefully help us become better as we, 
continue trying to provide the best service that we can. Can I ask you a question, Harbinger, that sure, might sure, you know, throw a little light on this? You're primarily an InfoSec professional, yeah? I would describe myself as such, yes. Okay. Not primarily as an educator. Good question. And so I guess I would I guess I would describe myself as an InfoSec professional with a specialty or a focus on education. Okay. Because I'm just my mother was a uh, a teacher. And she was actually a teacher for special education in the low end of the spectrum and kind of watching what you guys are doing and, you know, how you guys are taking feedback and internalizing it. And, you know, just even when tempers are running hot and people are becoming hostile, you know, you're not just shutting them down. You're, you're letting them talk and listening to them. That's that's not something that you know you get in a lot of you know even educational facilities Uh, you go to a college you go to a university and you take a class and you know if you want to talk to the professor after class that's one thing but he's under no obligation to necessarily provide that outside of his scheduled office hours and he's certainly under no obligation to change the curriculum or how it's being presented Uh, based on any of that. The fact that you guys are listening to us, I think is just outstanding. But, you know, you guys are learning from us as much as we're learning from you, I think. Yeah, well, thanks. That's that's really high praise. I'm going to try to respond to that. And then I'll let uh, Falcon jump in uh, with his thoughts too. Speaking, you know, individually, just as as myself for a second here, I, I think it's important to be sort of epistemically humble. That is like, like, you don't know everything there is to know. And kind of like what you alluded to earlier, Omeganeth, like the more that you learn about this field, the more you learn that you're never going to learn everything. And sort of that lesson for me translates to, to everything, you know, so social situations, uh, community situations, uh, business situations, none of these are things that I am ever going to know even a pin drop of everything that there is to know. And so to me, it becomes really important to try to listen. And by listen, I mean, really, really consider the viewpoints of others, um, because that's the only way that, that I will actually improve my understanding of the world. Um, that's my own take. And I think it's a take that a lot of offsec people do have, uh, even if it isn't necessarily apparent to everyone all the time. Yeah. So Megan, you're kind of referring to, you know, my position and TJ also was pretty relatively new. So TJ has been with Offsec now for about two years and I've been with Offsec now for a year. So our, our positions are still relatively new, uh, sort of speaking. And, you know, Offsec, at least I would like to believe, brought us on to help kind of, you know, one, aggregate all of the feedback, regardless of this for a particular course, for the company in general. Um, you know, the methodologies that we're kind of trying to teach everyone, uh, whatever it may be, right? I, I'm, I believe that we're here, uh, TJ and I, as well as everyone else from Offsec is here to kind of help hear that feedback and try to implement it where possible. And there's, there's points in time where um, people do provide suggestions or feedback and, you know, it's really great feedback, but it's really hard to implement or there's a lot of nuances to trying to implement it. So it's not that you know, we're a black hole in terms of, oh, we, we hear your feedback and um, we're not implementing. It's, we do hear it, 
but it might just be very difficult for us to do such an implementation based on that feedback or, or suggestion. So I would also consider myself a InfoSec professional, but I'm not necessarily a, a teacher or a mentor. Um, I tried to impose what I know and have learned um, through my uh, Pen200 journey or my experiences working in the field. Um, but again, to, to Harbinger's point, I'm not going to know everything. Uh, there's definitely points in time where I feel the imposter syndrome uh, where, you know, I interact with someone and they know something way above, you know, my comprehension, but I try to make it a point to try and learn it or ask questions. So with that being said, um, you know, kind of moving along here. So what are, what are some of your ambitions or goals after you acquire your, your OCP certification? Like OPSEC has said for many years, I'm kind of viewing, uh, the OSCP as, still an entry level. I've, I've got a lot left to learn. I want to take more co courses, but I would also like to gain employment either as a red team member or at least in a security related role. Right now, my personal life isn't very friendly to long-term uh, travel spans. So I'm hoping to find something reasonably close to me geographically or something that allows me to do a lot of my work uh, remotely. Uh, with COVID, that's becoming easier and easier, but it's still something I'm I'm looking forward to and worrying about in equal measure. So I think we're just about nearing the end of our time, uh, but I want to end, end with a, uh, well, I think it'll be a fun question. It'll be fun for me. Earlier, you mentioned that you're into math modeling. I have no idea what that is or what that's about. Can you give us like a two minute summary of, of what you mean by that and why it's interesting to you? Okay. So I have a tendency to kind of create or take on projects. And a lot of times I can't, you know, just build a physical model of what I'm playing with. It's either impractical or maybe even outright dangerous if I do it wrong. And so I have a suite of software that allows me to model mathematically multiple physical disciplines, um, everything from, you know, thermal expansion and the stresses that creates on very various things to, you know, uh, I'll say radiological um, outputs or inputs, sound, structural stabilities, uh, even chemical changes in a solution as I'm agitating it. Uh, it. This stuff is really, really powerful and really, really expensive. And I managed to get my hands on a drive that had an old copy um, some years back. And I have just been, you know, I transferred to a couple different drives at this point, so I don't lose it, but uh, it's it's really, really helpful for doing things and either proving or disproving parts of projects that you know I just couldn't handle before. I, I built a uh, radioisotope uh, generator a while back using it. And you know, hey, heat from nuclear decay makes power. It's It's kind of cool, but the last thing I want to do is find out that uh, my shielding was insufficient when, you know, I suddenly have cancer. Awesome. Thanks for, for your time, Omeganeth. We really appreciate it. Um, with that being said, uh, we've reached the end of our segment here. And uh, for anyone who isn't on Discord with us, you are more than welcome to join us, speak with uh, Omeganeth yourself or Harbinger and I. Uh, you can find our Discord info on our website. 
And to anyone who's listening, thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We're able to gain some value from it. Be sure to check out the Offensive Security website for more info and the Discord link, as well as our courses by going to offensivesecurity.com. 